Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you ace your exams at school and university through the psychology of high performance and the science of studying smarter, not harder. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, the Cambridge-trained memory psychologist and exam success coach, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome back to the Exam Study Experts podcast. It's November, and if you've caught any recent episodes, you may remember that we're celebrating Grovember November, which is all about planning your next steps in your studies and in life generally, and helping you grow to the next level. So far, we've talked about acing interviews for universities and schools. We've talked about getting hired for internships or your first job. And the remaining three episodes I have for you are aimed at giving you a flavour of what it's like to study different disciplines at university level, how to apply successfully for them, and once you get onto those courses, what it's going to take to succeed. So coming up soon, there's an episode about applying for med school. Uh, There's an episode about studying science, particularly chemistry at university. But before all that, today we're talking about business and business school, both at undergrad level and also for MBAs. This little series of episodes adds to a growing bank of episodes in the archives, which focus on studying specific subjects. So if you're interested in other disciplines, I'd encourage you to dig back through the Exam Study Expert episode archives. For example, we talked about studying music in episode eight, studying classics in episode nine. We touched on studying psychology back in episode two. Studying maths was episode four. Um, We covered applying for Ivy League schools in the US in particular in episode 19. Uh, And we even discussed how to succeed in a PhD or doctorate programme in episode 17. So do you have a scroll back through the archives and check out any episodes that catch your interest? But for today, it's time now to get down to business and today's conversation about studying business at business school. I am extremely excited to welcome Mark Durand, who's a professor at the Judge Business School in Cambridge. He is far from your typical business school professor, though, because his research involves studying people by living side by side with them in some extraordinary conditions to understand high performance and collaboration under conditions of immense pressure. To give you a taste, he spent a year with the boat race crew in Cambridge, documenting the extraordinary levels that the individuals and the team as a whole will go to make their boat go faster. Um, He travelled with peace activists on a march from Berlin to Aleppo. He even spent time with doctors and nurses at war in Afghanistan. There's some fascinating findings from all of this, and he has some incredibly powerful stories to tell. So if you want to find out more, my best suggestion is to go and check out some of his published books, uh, which I've linked up in the show notes. And they make for pretty fascinating reading, as you might imagine. And so to today's conversation, I started by asking him about his perspective on studying business at undergraduate level. I can speak from probably a couple of different points of view. Um, I did a a four-year American BA in in business myself, but I can also speak from the point of view of the the tripods that we have in in Cambridge, which is quite different from what you would see at many universities. I think the tripods in Cambridge um, is generally a good idea. Um, For those of you that don't know, it's a one-year course 
that well, you willing were on. Um, Indeed, that you uh, that you can take at the end of of two or three years in Cambridge um, to help you convert from you know a discipline like modern languages or history or or natural sciences into a, a career that's fully or trajectory that prepares you for a career in business um, just more broadly. Because it's a one-year program, it, it can feel like a mini MBA on top of a, a, a good first degree. From the point of view of someone teaching on the course, it's a very rewarding group of students because they're very, very bright and and they're very eclectic in the, uh, the, speci- the specialities they bring to the, to the room. I think that's a superior way of studying business at the undergraduate level than the, than the trajectory I took, which is to do a four-year business degree. I think that's frankly not necessarily a good choice um you know business isn't rocket science and i think a lot of it (laughs) (laughs) pick up in various ways indeed through an mba or or through something like the tripods you know if i had to go back in time um you know i probably would have chosen to do something else i mean i didn't have very many options frankly i could have done something like history which you know was probably the only course at that college it was quite respectable academically I, I could have done that um, um i might have done something like philosophy if i had had you know been more serious at, at school um or uh, or maybe even something like biology natural sciences you know whatever else but anything but hit the business I, I think business as a as a as a first as a first degree is is not something I, i'd recommend so how does how how does an MBA then compare to what you might expect on a on an undergraduate course for people that are relatively new to the idea of an MBA? Kind of wh- where does it typically fit into to someone's mm. career? Sure. So I think an MBA can work very well for someone who would like to transition into a business career or maybe make a significant change in their career, which happens to be in some field of business. It's ideal for people that have not done business before. You know, so we have people in, in the Cambridge MBA program who might have done medicine before journalism or they may have been entrepreneurs. It's a very diverse group that we attract. And I think MBA is ideally suited for them because it does cover some of the same ground as a three or four year undergraduate degree might do, but the pace is much faster and the level is a little bit higher. Uh, people often describe the MBA as, as being in front of a fire hose. And I think that's exactly what it's like. So it's not... Parts of it are intellectually challenging, but I think the overriding sensation is not that of getting lost in the complexity of it. I think it's just getting lost in the in the quantity of the material which needs to take on board very, very quickly. And in that sense, it does mimic what some people experience in in careers in business, particularly in certain fields. It's just it's just there's a lot of work, there's a lot to absorb in a very short amount of time. This is particularly true of the Cambridge MBA. The the stuff that you do, you know, the, the material you hand in is quite often prepared not by yourself, but prepared by a group. And these are groups of people that tend to be interdisciplinary, people that you may have had no choice, uh, choice in. Um, they've simply been assigned to you and you have to make it work. And again, that mimics real life quite closely, whereby, you know, in the workplace, even as someone who leads a team, maybe a team you don't choose but inherit. Um, and, and and yet you have to make it work. Um, and so that's quite nice about the MBA. So as a pressure cooker, it takes you through very similar um, experiences, similar emotions as you might find in the workplace. So it can be very worthwhile for people who 
who may who may spend four years working um, in a consultancy or in a business of some sort, um, having not studied business before and wanted to to take it up a level to senior management, or make a very dramatic shift from consultancy into something like investment banking or fast move consumer goods or something like that. Um, it does make a great deal of sense to, to take that route. That's really helpful. I can hear your uh, your your dogs agreeing with you uh, loudly in the background. <laughs> um, no, so either that, um, I guess it sounds like either using it as a as a kind of slingshot to help um, help propel you up the ladder that much faster, mm-hmm. or as a or as a as a sort of transition step to to swing from or pivot from from one uh, one field of business to to another. Correct. What would your advice be on choosing an MBA program? Are there some universities better suited to different sorts of um, sort of experiences that people want from mm-hmm. the the program? I think so. I, I think the first choice you need to make is whether you want an MBA that's a a one year program or two year program. The, the traditional MBAs, the sort of American MBAs, are two years. So, so Harvard's. Yeah, that's right. You look at Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, yeah. Uh, yeah. MIT. The beauty of those programs is that within the two years, um, or between the two years sandwiched, you can do an internship. And the first year is often quite carefully structured. And the second year, you can sort of mix and match to to suit your ambitions. I think it it gives you a level of freedom and depth of experience that's very difficult to do just as doing a one-year MBA. The downside, of course, of a two-year MBA is that the opportunity cost as well as the tuition itself, um, as a cost, is, you know, it's, it's just much more expensive to do and more difficult to justify. And that's why one-year MBA can be a really nice opportunity because you only lose one year of wages. And even though the one-year MBAs are expensive, including Cambridge's, it's not nearly as expensive as if you were to do two years at Harvard, for example. So, yeah, I think that's probably the first thing to get your head around. Do you want to do it for one year? Do you want to do it for two years? I mean, there are a few programs that are in between, you know, for about 16 or 18 months. Um, I think once you've decided on what you want to pursue, the one or two year version, then I think the next question to ask yourself is what do you want from the MBA in terms of exposure? So if you want an MBA that is very much dominated by an American crowd, um, then you go to an American school. You know, and you might do it partly because the networking opportunities it presents, um, you know, are particularly advantageous for people that want to live in America. You know, um, um, if you want an MBA that's very international, then you know, some of the European MBAs might work well. The Cambridge MBA is a good example. I think we only have, I don't know, about six percent of the class. I think is British. I mean, it, it's wow. a very, very international group. And again, for networking, that's great for people that want to have international exposure and might want to venture out and work out of their own you know, home countries in the future. So, you know, those are a couple of things, I think, to consider. And it also reminds me that the MBA is is useful not just for the content it provides, but also for the, you know, the opportunity it provides to, to network with like-minded individuals. Um, that's a wonderful little story. That surrounds one of the professors, senior professors at Wharton. And Wharton, as, um, as some of your listeners might know, is, is one of the top business schools, consistently ranked near the top in America. And it's a discussion that a senior professor has with the dean of the school. And they, they think of a hypothetical scenario, which is um, what if we, uh, we had a choice as employers to recruit a group of MBAs? Now, either we take a group of MBAs 
that were accepted at Wharton by Wharton faculty and subsequently spent two years at a community college, or we choose MBAs from a group of students that were not pre-selected by Wharton, they were accepted by community college, but yet we put them for two years through the Wharton program. And the question the senior professor asked the dean is, well, if you had to make a choice, which group of MBAs would you recruit from? The people that were accepted at Wharton went to three years of two years of community college, or the ones that were accepted by community college but were pushed through two years of Wharton's program. And the dean's response is very interesting because he says, actually, as an employer, the people I'm most likely would want to recruit from would be people accepted by Wharton, uh, even if they went through two years of community college. And the point he's making is a very simple one. You know, part of what makes the networking opportunities attractive in an MBA is that people have been pre-selected. And the selection process is very, very valuable. And the dean of you know, the, the dean of the school went as far as to suggest that it may well be the most valuable component of the MBA. So it's not really the content per se, it is the selection process that takes place that makes you one of a very desirable group of people um, that in some ways are quite like-minded, in some ways quite diverse, um, and intellectually uh, almost equally capable. Yeah, no, that's that's fascinating. I think a really good segue to to mention a little bit about the application process, perhaps, and uh, and what to expect, and whether there's anything we could do as applicants to to prepare ourselves for the process. It's almost impossible to get away from the key requirement of an MBA, which is to do a GMAT. The GMAT is a standard test that that you take um, under controlled conditions. The score you get is a quite important ingredient into the application process. I think the average score at Cambridge this year is um, 694, 693, something like it. I think the top score is 740. So, you know, you're looking at people that are sort of in 99th percentile or 98th percentile, something like that. So yeah. it's it's a really simple way to discriminate. Now, schools will tell you that, that the GMAT score is not everything that matters, all that matters, but actually it... it, it it's a, it's, it's a heuristic, and because it's a heuristic, it can make a fair bit of difference. If you don't have a good enough GMAT score, I, I, I doubt you'll be invited for interviews, so it's quite important to take that seriously. There are a few schools that don't require GMAT, but most schools do. I think then it's very important that you demonstrate that you have a good first degree. I don't think it matters what discipline it's in. Uh, it has to be a good first degree, and preferably from a good school. And finally, it's important to to show up well in the essays you write. So for Cambridge, I think we ask students to write two essays. And this is even before it gets to the interview stage. And it's important to get these essays right to make sure you show up well. And then once you get to the interview stage, it's important to interview well. I mean, it's, you know, MBAs at MBAs top schools are, are very competitive um, to get into. Um, and so I think those key ingredients to make sure you get a good GMAT, a good first degree, You'll need at least got a three, four years of experience, if not more. I think the MBAs in Cambridge on average have six to eight years experience. And then make sure you do well in the essays. And once you're invited to interview, just show up well in the interview. And we have people flying in from all over the world to interview. And the people that that we typically most want are people that you know are equally desirable to other top schools in the world. And so part of the interview is not just making sure that they show up well. It is also for us to show them what we are like and um, and why we might be the best choice for them. So. 
to give you another perspective on the NBA, I just wanted to put in a little bit of bonus material from my conversation with Sonal Ball uh, last time. As you may remember if you caught that episode, Sonal had a very successful career as a senior director in HR and was responsible at hiring and career development at some major global companies. She was with us last time to share her top tips in an episode on how to apply successfully for jobs and internships in terms of getting the CV right and preparing for interviews. But she's also an MBA herself, so I wanted to share her thoughts on the importance of an MBA based both on her experience as a student and also as a recruiter. You want to have a very clear idea of your before and after. So currently, what are you doing? How well are you doing? And what is the after going to look like if you, you know, once you complete the MBA? And the after has to make a lot of sense and it has to justify that investment. So I'll give you my own examples. I was very, very clear uh, on my reasons for doing an MBA. And whatever you decide to study, particularly if you're a professional and you're already working, and by the way, I highly suggest that people work a little bit and then think about business, uh, an MBA, and not right after your bachelor's because it's the tire hasn't you know had enough uh, skid marks. It's too... Too early, and um, the real life experience will help to connect the dots a lot more during the MBA, and you're going to be able to digest a lot of it. But coming back to my 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 reasons for doing it, so three to four reasons. They say when you are in the middle of a change, or you're considering something, it's three things: it's industry, function, and geography. So I wanted to be in a brand new industry. I was in consulting before, and I wanted to change. Second was function. So I wanted to stay in HR, but be at a higher level and, you know, more senior and more at the decision making as opposed to always being on the transactional side of things and execution side of things and getting things done. And third, geography. I was in South America and I wanted to work in Europe. So in that sense, the MBA was the perfect springboard, but also insurance. It was an insurance for me because I knew that if I ever want to change my career, which I did, it, it helps to open more doors. And which is why this uh, gigantic investment in it. And, and obviously, you know, I got my money's worth within the first year because, you know, you get access to interesting opportunities that you wouldn't have had without an MBA. Having said that, do you need an MBA to be successful in the world of business? Absolutely not. There's plenty of examples out there. Richard Branson, and Elon Musk and so many other people who had an idea and just went with it. Um, and And so at the end of the day, it's about what you want. You know, there's great sites to doing an MBA. Uh, research those schools really well. Research the professors really well. You know, there should be people who've also spent time in business and they've not always been teaching their whole life because it's a very different mindset. Um, and understand what are you going to do after it? And in my case, it was a one-year program. So the after is sooner than expected, you know, because in the US it's two years. And those are two very expensive years because people don't, realize the opportunity cost. You know, when you're working, um, you're earning. And when you're in business school, you haven't earned for two years. So if you combine that with the cost of an MBA, it's not a joke. It's, uh, it's big money. We finish our conversation today, returning to Mark. I ask him about what makes a really great business student, whether at undergraduate level or on an MBA. Strong business students are students that are curious and they are happy to to take a bit of a risk. Um, what does risk taking look like in terms of what what you actually what they're actually doing on their on their course? Well, I think they are 
there, these are students that are willing to to experiment. Um, and what I mean with that is is to experiment maybe in the assignments um, that they are required to write. So they might do something that's just slightly different from from the usual, um, but also experimental um, in that they they are unafraid to push back. Right. Mm. So you know, in a classroom environment, these would be people that um, they don't worry about challenging you know the professor in the room on on, on a particular issue. Um, and I can tell you from experience, I, I love from students this in any case, right? So now I realize it may come across as favoring people that are extroverts as opposed to the introverts. Um, I'm not sure that's entirely true, though, because even people that might find it difficult to speak out in class, they can show themselves up really beautifully in, in, in written work that's submitted. That just has an has an element of flair to it. I think that's that's that shows up very quickly. Yeah. So I think you know generally, but I, I suspect that, that applies to most disciplines. You know, I'm not sure that that's very business specific. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, but but I think there's an element of risk taking and a certain boldness, a courage that shows up. That um, that I think can serve students very well, both in the classroom but also beyond it. Many assignments you know, are, are very, very similar. Um, um, but then occasionally an assignment will, 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 will show up. Um, a written essay, for example, that is just so well written. It is so different. You know, it, it's, um, it's, it's a beauty to behold. And, and, um, and because they're all blind marked, you know, I have no idea who the student in question is. And that, you know, that's how it should be. Yeah, in the classroom itself, there are plenty of occasions where students will challenge me on, on certain issues. And I love that, right? So it, um, it, it makes for a much more interesting experience, I think, for, for all, all parties concerned. Well, thanks again, Mark. And I think there's some great advice there for so many disciplines, not just business. As I mentioned at the start, if you want to find more about Mark's work, he is the author of The Last Amateurs, which is all about the Cambridge Boat Race crew and their preparations for that famous rowing race. Uh, And also the book There Is an Eye in Team, which unpacks what elite athletes and coaches know about high performance. Both are fascinating reads and I've linked them up from the show notes so you can find out more. And if you're considering an application for business courses, I'd be glad to put you through your paces in a mock interview. I'm a graduate of business school myself, so I know a thing or two about how the process works. Please visit examstudyexpert.com forward slash mock to find out more. And with that, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I look forward to your company again soon. Our two final episodes to round out Grovember November are Rohan Agarwal on applying for med school, and Dr. Peter Wuthers on studying chemistry. Excited to share those with you. In the meantime, take care, stay well, and I'll see you soon. If you've got exams coming up, you can now get all of William's favourite tips and tricks to save you time and get you higher grades, all in one handy cheat sheet. Grab your copy at examstudyexpert.com slash free tips. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.